for joining us today on That Solo Life. This is Karen Swan. And of course, I'm here with my wonderful redheaded co-host, Michelle. Oh, my goodness. Just having <laughs> having some home studio issues. Uh, there's no such thing as quiet on the set, apparently. Um, so apologies in advance. I do have Crisp activated for what good that is at the moment. But we are so glad to be back with you this week yet again to talk about all things PR and marketing. And um, actually, it's kind of funny. Our title this week is Cutting Through the Noise. <laughs> and yeah, and you know, it's from the point of view of the fire hose of information that we continue to be bombarded with, you know, being able to cut through on media relations and, you know, all those things that we deal with that are kind of amplified, intensified, just made strange during these strange times that we are living in. So, you know, we thought, let's chat about that for a while, because it, it's affecting us, it affects our day to day. And um, yeah, it's just worthwhile to give it a little time. So I don't know, I, you know, we talked about this before, before we came on air about, you know, how can you manage all of this? And, and really, how can you best stay focused? And how important yeah. it is to revisit that from time to time? You know, so. I love that. I think part of, so, you know, when we think about cutting through the noise, we originally, for this particular topic, we were really thinking about media relations and cutting through the noise. But then we realized that cutting through the noise also means in our mastering our own business and in our day-to-day work, that meant cutting through the noise to really be able to clear out the things that are a distraction, are not a priority, and that are standing in the way of us really being productive in a way that's meaningful. Right. Right. Yeah, yeah. that's so true. I mean, you said it, you know, there's not just the physical noise of the world, because there's, there's certainly a lot of that as well. We have a lot of incoming, a lot of inbound, a lot of information. And quite frankly, sometimes we have um, noise from clients that Mm -hmm. is not essential to the work that we do, not necessary. It's just a distraction. And so we really have to learn how to, to dim that down or block it out and stay completely focused. And with clients, that's possible too. Right. No, a hundred percent. And, you know, sometimes it's keeping them on track of what the goals really are. Not to say that you necessarily call the shots or or make demands. You know, you don't you want to keep the relationship as it should be. But a lot of times you might say, well, you know, if 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 they come to you with something that seems like it's coming in sideways, you just think, okay, well, how is that going to serve our goal of X? Um, where do you see that fitting in? Um, how can we triage this to make it work? You know, don't be afraid to have those conversations. You know, it's not necessarily pushing back or being negative. It's it's really using your wisdom and that they were, you know, paying you to rely on your professional opinion on things. So, you know, sometimes that does happen of, oh, okay, well, we're doing this. Why, why are we doing this? Is this new? What is this a part of? Oh, okay. And as I just did that little conversation with myself, you know, sometimes you don't know where it fits in in the big picture and they just kind of assume that everyone does because they might have been living with it for a while, whatever it is. Yeah. I mean, to me, one of the one of the essential or most critical things that you can do to ensure that you're cutting through the noise 
is to be super intentional about what your purpose is. Mm -hmm. So even when it comes to clients, you really have to have an understanding that you reinforce with yourself. What is my job? What have I been hired to do? Because when you understand that role and, and you really double down on that role, it allows you to not only map out your days, but it allows you to block out the things that are a hindrance or just a distraction from that purpose. And again, sometimes that can come from the client. So clients have a way of having ideas or something else comes at them because remember, they also are victims of lots of noise. And so they'll throw things at you. This is why it's so important to know what you've been hired to do, really understand your mission and your purpose and write it down. Mm -hmm. Have a plan. Don't skip the planning process. It's so important because it keeps everyone accountable to what you're supposed to do, but it also protects you from getting distracted and pulled into things that later, you know, and then somebody says, well, why didn't you do X? Well, because you asked me to do, you know, A, B, and C. Well, we're A, B, and C on your plan. So your plan really keeps everybody focused and everybody on track. If that plan needs to change, that's fine. But you also have to, uh, you know, allow time to adjust that plan, document it, document the pivot, and then make sure that you all agree on the goals in advance. So don't just go chasing rainbows. <laughs> you, that's, it, it feels good in the moment. Like, that's a great idea. And that's a great idea. And that's a great idea. But what's the bigger purpose? What's the bigger goal? And why are you there? Right. And Don't be afraid. So again, when you you understand that you've been hired as a strategic counselor, that they're paying you for your knowledge and expertise, it makes it really easy to keep your clients on track too. And, you know, there are a couple techniques you can say, wow, that sounds like a great idea, but we agree to this plan for this reason. Are those goals still important to you? So then we think it's important to stay the course with this. But if this initiative or this idea is something that is really critical to the business of the company, we can do two things. We can adjust our plan and focus on this, or maybe we can, you know, table this for, you know, next quarter or next month. And that will give us some time to really plan around this and do it correctly. Um, Here's the thing. When you give in to the noise, you're going to be flying all over the place. You're going to be stressed. You're going to find yourself in a time suck. And it's a cycle that's really hard to get out of. And you're just not going to be bringing your best self to anything. Right, right. And you also have to be concerned about over-serving the client. You know, if if that bleeds outside the lines of your scope, you know... and that could go both ways, right? That could that could be the client saying, well, why didn't this get done? Well, I have this allotment of time. We need to decide what's most important to you. Or on the other hand, you just, you just overgive because, you know, let's face it, we're wired that way a lot of the times of, you know, we, we want to do well for our clients and have them shine, even if it is detrimental to us, which is not good. So, you know, try and head it off at the pass, so to speak, you know, right at the, the outset of that, you know, like Karen was saying, okay, 
we only have time to do these things. So what's the most important to you? Do we want, do we need to shift gears? Um, and, you know, yeah, we're, we're all open to FOMO, right? <laughs> Fear of missing out. I mean, how many times have clients, you know, called you or emailed you and say, this thing, should we be on this platform? Or I heard this person say this, and, you know, and, and sometimes, well, sure, would you like to? That wasn't in our plan, but it's not to say that that's not something we should consider. It just wasn't the most important thing. And sometimes it's just like, well, no, not that doesn't really pertain to your industry. You know, you don't really need to be doing this or that. And it's just, you know, again, providing that counsel to them, kind of talking them on the the ledge of the the new newest shiny thing. <laughs> you know, I I love that you brought up over servicing because it, you know sometimes when you're a young business owner and I don't mean young in age, I mean young in terms of years of running your business, you are so eager to please and so enthusiastic that you do far more than you're being paid to do. And, you know, one of the lessons that's really important to learn is not to, to give more than you're being paid to do. Now, this does not mean that you are not delivering what you have been assigned to do with excellence and that you are going to, you know, give above and beyond to make sure that you get the result. But you want to make sure that you are giving all of your clients what they deserve to get. So you don't want to service a, a client that's paying you four times the amount of someone else, the same service as that person that is the smaller client. It doesn't mean the smaller client is not as important. It just means their scope of work mm -hmm. is smaller. And so you really want to manage your scope of work well. Um, another, you know, problem with over-servicing is that, again, you get, you burn out, you're really tired, and you're not being paid for those things. And over time, that eagerness turns into fatigue and it can lead to resentment, yeah. yes. but it also trains your client to just get more without paying for it. And that's, that's not a realistic business model. And again, this doesn't mean that you're giving them less. It just means that you're not giving them more than the scope of work that you've been hired to do. Correct. Correct. And I, I think many of us listening, and I know we've had to have those conversations of, yeah, I, I would love to do that, but just know my scope was for this. And, you know, I mean, I've, I've had to do that recently and, and it was fine, you know, which, which I think something that can come into this whole concept of cutting through the noise is, you know, especially pivoting to media relations is just that, that fear, the fear of, am I contacting this journalist too much? Am I, should I follow up with a phone call? I don't know. I mean, I've, I've actually sat through enough panels to know that, yes, they'll like the phone call because it's different. <laughs> it's not another email coming at them, but, you know, journalists are dealing with as much noise as the rest of us. And, you know, especially with COVID and, and whatnot, their, their job is as challenging as ever. So I agree. Them, and, you, know. you know, with that, you know, that cutting through the noise works both ways for mm -hmm. us. I really protect my own boundaries to make sure mm -hmm. 
that I'm not letting in a lot of things that are really not important. So there are things that I don't need to read. There are things I don't need to listen to. There are things that I don't need to participate in. I don't have to jump on every single webinar that's offered. I don't have to be in, you know, on every platform. You know, I I don't have to see all the notifications for everything in real time immediately. Right. It, it really, it, and I don't have to answer every email within 10 minutes of it arriving. I actually can chunk those tasks for a specific time. What I do need to do is make sure that the things are absolutely essential in any given day are getting done. And I need to make sure that my activities align with my own goals for my life and for my business. And so that, again, really being intentional, you you just can't, you don't have time for all of the things in the world. And so it has to have the right ROI for you. Mm-hmm. And each person is going to have to determine that for themselves. Um, so for journalists, it's the same, you know, make it worth their while, basically. And, and how do you do that? You do that by being genuine, being relevant, you know, don't send off-topic pitches, don't send weak outreaches that are really just self-promotional with no value. How can you move the needle forward to them? How can you take a look at this thing that you've been tasked to, you know, match to media and what's valuable about it? So for example, if you have a, a survey don't just talk about the statistics in the survey, but what are the takeaways? What What's the big picture that would make sense to a particular outlet to want to cover that mm-hmm. story? If you're offering an expert uh, around a breaking news story, what can your expert offer to move the ball down the court a little bit further? Do they have a different angle? Can they offer deeper insights? Can they explain something a little bit better? Be relevant. and we say this, you know, lots of people say this, you'll hear this from anybody who does media relations, um, focus on quality and not quantity, because that really matters. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And another thing, just because of time, who has time, uh, you know, give them a heads up far, far in advance. A lot of my outreaches around community events or, you know, um, performances, things like that, which have set dates. It's it's not a big deal. Even a, a, a month ahead is not too far out to just say, hey, we've got this thing coming up. We'd love if you could come out and, and cover it in some way. Just want to get it on your radar. And then in two weeks, I'll remind them again and then blah, blah, blah. And I know you were talk sharing recently about um, a placement that, you know, you contacted someone well ahead in advance and it panned out great. Yeah. Two times. But, but again, that's, understanding your audience, you know, and this particular placement was important. So I absolutely cut out all of the noise. I didn't try to, to pitch everyone in the world. I was very targeted and intentional about who I knew would be the best person to tell the story. And I reached out two months in advance and shared with them, you know, why I was contacting them, giving them a heads up, Everything wasn't even finalized. They didn't care. I won the exclusive with this big publication and I won it because I was thoughtful about it and because I 
thought about that person. I knew that they were inundated. And so I made sure it was important enough to me and to my client that I wanted to make the time for it and get on that person's calendar. So don't be afraid to do outreach very early, even if you don't have all the details. If you can give enough of your why and you can really get people interested, then you can keep them posted along the way. Now, you know, in this case, this was funding news, which is very different. It's a very different type of pitching than some of the other things that we do. But this could be true of data campaigns as well. You can start to develop interest in it even as you're finishing up the survey before, you know, you have the pretty design report and you're ready to go out. Um, You can reach out and tell people, you know, hey, we're doing a survey on this. And when we have the data, would you be interested? Here's what we're seeking to uncover. Um, So, you know, I one way to cut through the noise for the journalist is to allow yourself more time. Um, I cannot tell you how many client (laughs) meetings we have where they have, you know, media relations campaign and we push the time light out even further because we'll say we need a longer runway for pitching Mm -hmm. um, because we understand and we don't want to be those people that are, you know, everything is urgent and you're giving yourself a week. So if you think that it's going to take two weeks, take a month. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, that's, that's very true. Especially because everything's at hyperspeed these days, you know, it's a little crazy, but I loved something you had said off air about, thinking about the yeses that you give as far as how how we spend our time. And I know, nod with me, you know, do we stop and really take a step back and look at how we're spending our time as often as we should? Or do we wait until we just feel like, ugh, I can't do it this way anymore. But you were you're talking about the exponential value of a yes and how that can grow. And to be mindful of that, even when you think, oh, it's a one-off thing. It's okay. I'll yeah. say yes to it this time. I, I can't take credit for this idea. This is thanks to Jordan Rayner, who's an author, and he has a book coming out um, that really is about productivity management. But um, he used this example that was game-changing for me. And he talked about um, the example of, you know, maybe um, someone asking you to coffee. And if you say yes to that coffee, everything that you say yes to, you're building a habit to say yes to. So yes, to if, if you say yes to that one coffee, are you prepared to say yes to a hundred coffee dates? And maybe you're not. And if you're not, then maybe that coffee is something that you need to decline. Maybe you need to find another way to connect with that person, or maybe that really isn't something that makes sense for you. Now, this doesn't mean that coffee is inherently a bad thing, but a personal No, it is not, Karen. (laughs) Yeah. I used to set Fridays aside, and and I still do. Fridays were my no meeting day for a reason, because I wanted to wrap up the week, and I wanted to have a day where I could really begin to clean up the week, focus on only two or three key things, ideally one or two key things, before the weekend, it set myself up to be able to have a full weekend of rest. Because in order to have a weekend of rest and, and rest from work, because you know there's still that day where you have things to do. And then you ideally want to have at least one day to rest. So you may set aside family time or whatever. But in order to do that, you've got to clear the pathway to be able to truly 
allow yourself to disconnect. So that takes planning. So Friday was my day to do that, to make sure that I could go into the weekend with nothing hanging over my head. And I was all set to stop work until Monday. But um, for a period of time up until recently, for a few months, several months, I started taking meetings, not intentionally. It was that okay, well, it's just one meeting. It's only half an hour. Well, that one meeting, half an hour, it's not that big of a deal, turned into two meetings, turned into three. And before you knew it, I had lost my Fridays and I was working more hours than I had ever intended to work. And I was tired and I wasn't really getting a weekend because that Friday, uh, by by the time I get to Fridays, I don't know about you guys, but I'm wiped out. I'm already tired. So I'm limping through now the rest of the work week, working until five o'clock and then wanting to throw my computer through a window and ultimately having to spend at least one day on the weekend doing some work because I never got hands to set myself up for the week. Mm -hmm. Um, So again, you know, when you use this principle, if you say, you know, I said yes to one meeting and before you know it, I built this habit of yes to a Friday meeting. So I stopped that and I went back to, no, I'm not going to do that. You have to set the boundaries and you have to cut away the noise. Those meetings can happen on other days of the week. I have other, I have four other wonderful days of the week that I can meet. Exactly. Meetings on all four days, but you know, I'll share strategy that's a topic for another day. But, you know, it doesn't have to be on that particular day. And so don't feel bad about, you know, erecting those boundaries for yourself, because if you don't, then everyone else will be in control of your life and you will be ruled by noise and distractions rather than purpose and intention. Yep, that is incredibly true. And, and, you know, I fall prey to that as well, because some of my work obligations are in the evening or on the weekend. And I'll be honest, I am horrible at granting myself the comp time, except over time, you get tired. You think, oh, I'm tired. I don't feel like working today. Well, guess what? I get to call my own shots. As long as there is not a drop dead deadline for an ad today, I, ca- I cannot work. You know, I mean, just yesterday I had a, a business, business development meeting and, you know, it got over kind of later in the day. I enjoyed the drive home. It was a beautiful day. I, I took a peek at email to make sure there weren't any fires to be put out. And I thought, no, I, I'm not going to go back to the desk until this morning. And guess what? It was okay. <laughs> I think sometimes our, our motivations can be, you know, can, can turn on us. We have to be very mindful of that, that the way that we motivate ourselves is, you know, go out there and get it and get things done, but don't kill yourself. You know, I, I often joke with people that, yeah, Thursday night is crash and burn Eve because Fridays tend to be <laughs> crash and burn nights. And, you know, honestly, the older I get, I don't want that. You know, right. I don't burn exactly. myself out. I want to, right. I want to work with a fresh mind and I want to feel energized and I don't want to, I don't want to feel like I am burning myself to a pulp. And so that really does mean getting very disciplined around how I manage my time. And here's the thing, you know, you said it, if something was really wrong, 
you would definitely know about it because think about it. Your clients have a way to reach out to you. If the house Mm -hmm. is burning down, they're going to reach you. You will know about it. They will text you. They will call you. They will let you know if something really, really, really is seriously wrong. So why do you check email every 10 minutes? Right. Exactly. Exactly. I, I think it's, again, it's these little would we call them nano habits that we yeah. do just, and, and yeah. maybe they're even little ticks, you know, like, oh, what's there? What's that? What's here? No, no, I'm going to block out my time. Close some of those tabs, get, get one tab going on your Chrome. So you don't lose your tabs. <laughs> you can just dissolve them and, and our, you know, use the Pomodoro, all the, our little tricks and tools that we have at our, our, yeah. um, at our fingertips, literally. And just, you know, maybe even take a moment, you know, kind of like they tell you, you should get up and walk around every hour or so. Check in with your head, check in with yourself. Like, how's my day going? How does this, you know, I've worked with a business coach early on in, in starting my business. And, and I love the way she put it. She goes, you know, you're creating this life, you're creating this work. And I don't mean as far as, ooh, we have to feel good all the time, but how in general do you want your work to make you feel? How do you want that life to feel? Is it a life that you're going to dread when, oh, I don't want to wake up in the morning. Oh, I have all this stuff to do. Uh. Or is it, oh, I get to do this. I want to have some, oh, I have some wiggle room there and I can call my shots today. And, you know, when you focus on it that way, it really changes your perspective. Yeah. Feel as beholden to something that's bigger than you. And we're going to talk a lot more about this topic in depth in, in, I don't know if it'll be the podcast or a different forum, but I do think that there are some great tips that we can share with you and we can bring in some additional experts, but you know, one way to stay on track is to have your own plan as well. So we write plans for clients, but you should have a plan for yourself and it could be, you know, simple little page in a little notebook like this that, you know, just has a plan for the next month. Um, I like to write at the top. Um, I have this planner. And so at the top of the week, you know, I like to just put like kind of my theme for the week, which mm. keeps my mind set on what this week is really about and what I need to really accomplish and achieve so that I feel satisfied. Mm-hmm. So it's not, you know, task focused. It's really more, overarching big picture vision focused because we are whole people and it's not just the work and the task. We have other things that we're doing. We have other, you know, interests or hobbies, or maybe we volunteer, we have families. And so there's only so much time in a week. You don't really get more than seven days. I promise you there's no (laughs) age. And and the energy we have toward that time is precious. Yeah. It is precious energy because a lot of what we do is self-generating as far as, okay, got to turn it on (laughs) for this thing. You know, I, I joke, and this is not to say that people who deal with numbers, they, they work, I'm not saying they work hard, but sometimes I envy the lack of emotion that numbers have. Um, there was a time in my career where I was, you know, helping out our nonprofit by by running their books. And that exercise was kind of nice. I'm like, hey, this number is what it is. I don't have to find a better word for this number. <laughs> I, don't, I don't have to sell this concept to anyone. It's just, this is the number. Okay. 
Yeah. Not, not, not that I'm going to make a career switch. I know I'm not really wired for that. I also remember saying, I'm a writer. What are you doing? <laughs> but yeah, we, we hope that this has been helpful to you. It's, it's kind of been helpful to us to talk through it too. It helps us, you know, realign our perspectives as well. So please do share this around if you found it valuable to you. And we all, of course, always are glad that you join us on That Solo Life. <laughs>